Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you been seriously injured? Mama Justice is here for you. Our medical team partners with top-notch doctors, surgeons, therapists, and urologists, ensuring a comprehensive recovery journey. If you've been injured, call Mama Justice today. We're here for you. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes. In a Mississippi Minute. That's right. Today on In a Mississippi Minute is yet another Mississippi talent and gem that has been on the upward move in Music City like you won't believe. And every time he straps on his guitar or whatever the heck he's playing and starts into song, his roots are undeniable. Besides being a bad dude, he's a really good guy. Say hey, hey, hey to Charlie Worsham. What's up, Charlie? What's going on? Same old, man. Just making noise. You're making some noise. Yeah. Well, we're good at making noise, aren't we? <laughs> That's it. If nothing else. Uh, where, now, where may I find you right now? Well, I, I, I finally made it home. My East Nashville home. I'm in the front yard, uh, standing by the front porch. Uh, I got my dog out in the front yard, and mm. she's excited that I'm home. And, man, I just... When I drive, you know, a lot of times I'm writing over on the Music Row side of the Cumberland, that the, where downtown Nashville and all the, most of the sites that when people come to Nashville to see, uh, that's the side of the river they're, they're on. But I live on the east side, and there's a piece that comes over me when I cross the river. Um, I love Nashville, and I love getting the craziness that is the music business, but I, I, it is nice to sort of hang my hat just, somewhere that feels a stone's throw at least removed from that yeah oh yeah something about that something about that happens when i cross over to the east side and the same thing happens when i'm driving home to mississippi man when i turn off a 240 there in memphis and get on a 55 yeah there is just a i breathe a little deeper (laughs) yeah no no listen listen let me tell you something we moved back after we were back in 2011, late summer, seven years ago. I remember feeling that peace and still uh, had shows recently uh, and I and found myself in Canada and then made my way back home. But man, once I hit hit the Delta, it's like, oh, it just you start breathing. And I, you know, and, and, and I know that that you're in the right place for what you're doing right now. You got to be there. I had to be there. Mm-hmm. And um, and and it's awesome. It's awesome there, and all that you learn, and and all that you provide for the for even your mentors, the, you know, just uh, you're teaching them as well, and so it's uh, it keeps the older young, and keeps it gets the younger uh, experienced, you know. <laughs> Absolutely, it's the, it's the true idea of community, which uh, I think yeah. until the last I don't know fifty seventy years or so, that was you had no choice but to live in 
literally in a community and, and locally, and of course technology, which is a double-edged sword, but it's, it's a great tool, uh, it also sort of suspends that um, that need for the touchy-feely, I mean, bare feet on the ground kind of thing. And yeah. there is something to, to being grounded both in your heart and literally. And, uh, and, and I think you get that when you grow up in, in our home state. I, I think you get an extra dose of that because something about Mississippi, uh, it's, it's still community bound. Yeah. And I think it's yeah. a rare and beautiful thing. Hey, Charlie, I love it. We're talking to Charlie Worsham. Uh, really, really, really the new generation of what Mississippi has stood for. Uh, it's what is why I ever did it. Uh, it's we've both been mentored by so many great artists from Mississippi. Uh, Charlie, tell me what's uh, I, I gotta go. I gotta dig dig back a little bit. Uh, I want to talk about your your growing up days and uh, when did you start? Because because you're pretty much you play a lot of instruments. I've seen you jacking around in your studio, uh, and mm-hmm. and I love watching it. Uh, I've watched some of your. This is years ago. I watched some of the stuff mm-hmm. that you were doing. You were messing around with cover tunes and and I had some friends that at the record label because they used to work my records. So your guys mm-hmm. are my guys now, and so I love it. Yeah, yeah, they're like family, man. And so uh, they sent me sent me some stuff, and I said, man, I dig that. Tell me, uh, in fact, I think it was the your version of Lowrider was one of them. And, oh, uh, yeah. Okay, so we're talking to Charlie Worsham. Uh, to take me back again to, to time with your dad, because you mentioned, you mentioned Vaden. You know, I grew up playing a place called Thunderbirds in Vaden. <laughs> okay. You have no idea. Yeah. So, so it was a country music palace, and, and the rock club was Vaden. I always played the rock one. So let's take me yeah, back to my, your mentorship and, and talk about your dad again. I love that. Yes. Well, those were my earliest memories of music. He, uh, even though he made a career as a banker, he was always a musician at heart. He played drums. And when I was super young, uh, he still gigged on a regular enough basis and would let me tag along, uh, you know, my mom would come or whatever to some of the gigs were, were, I guess, kid appropriate, you know, and, right. and, uh, and those are my earliest memories of music and the power of music because he'd let me sit in his lap and bang on the drums, you know, maybe at Soundcheck or if they were set up at the house. And yeah, he used to play. He played with Mac Allen Smith for years. Uh, they play. It was the Country Music Palace, and he played a lot of uh, Invading, uh, a lot of VFWs, a lot yeah. of country clubs, and uh, and and that was where I got the bug. I, I remember just you know when you when you're growing up, your parents are your heroes. And looking to my dad as my hero, and I would see what music did for his spirit, the way that he would smile and laugh. Uh, there, there was a, an energy that was brought out when he was around his musician friends. And I just, from a very early age, I, I, I connected music with the brotherhood that is what, what I know today, playing yeah. in bands. And um, that's where I got it, man. But he, but he reinforced that, and my mom reinforced that year after year. Uh, whether it was going to concerts or, or lessons or uh, bluegrass festivals or whatever it was, it just kept, you know, the infection got worse in a good way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get it. I get it. We're talking to Charlie Worsham, recording artist, singer-songwriter. He is in Nashville. He's a Mississippi product, and uh, couldn't be more proud of him. Hey, Charlie, so you, you go back. Let's talk about the instruments you play. Um, mm-hmm. You know, guitar first, or, or it seems like you're multi multi uh, talented when it comes to you're multi versed. I guess is the word. Oh gosh, well it's funny. I like to joke that my dad uh, taught me, gave me the rock, and my mom gave me the roll because she she taught me how to take that pure 
energy and turn it into something productive. And she was always the one kind of looking ahead, you know, well, if this kid wants to play music, he's going to need lessons from somebody. <laughs> and so she got me into piano lessons. I mean, they were, they were supportive, uh, no matter what it was I got interested in, karate or t-ball or whatever. But, man, I, could, I got nervous about breaking boards at karate, and I struck out at t-ball. But piano lessons, they, they took. <laughs> you know? So that was, that was my, first, uh, my first instrument, I guess you could say. And then I really wanted a guitar. They had taken me to see Vince Gill a number of times, and I just thought that was the coolest instrument in the world. Uh, and I remember my dad's band, the guitar player, would do uh, uh, Werewolves of London and play the solo with his teeth. And I thought, man, I want to do that when I grow up. <laughs> but my mom, being the, the you know thinking ahead, the forward thinker that, that she is, she thought, ah, see, you see a lot of kids that sometimes they take the guitar, but there's not as much discipline. And I think she, frankly, was a little worried about me growing long hair, getting tattoos, you know, and playing out in bars, which ended up happening anyway. But she, yeah. they, they took me to a trip to Opryland in Nashville uh, back when the theme park was still here and Mike Snyder, Grand Ole Opry star uh, phenomenal musician he right. had a standing gig at Opryland and he's a banjo player and I, I went up to Nashville begging my parents for a guitar and then I saw Mike Snyder and the whole way home all they heard was man I'd really love a banjo I'd love to play banjo <laughs> and banjo became my first sort of stringed instrument and I think it shaped everything for me because even though I ended up getting a guitar a few years later and I tried a bunch of other instruments, that right-hand scrug style, you know, the three-finger right. technique, it shapes how I play every other instrument. Right. I love that. You know, I love that. And I love the fact that you probably are watching all the band tars and you're laughing because you're going like, look, dude, play the real thing. Or, you know, <laughs> uh, oh, it's funny. I mean, maybe a little bit, but at the, at the same time too, you know, the, the, the five string banjo, you're, you're, you're very limited in, in your range. And so I, I can't knock it. I can't. No, no, I know. I know. As much as sometimes I want to, you know, it's, it's nice to have that, that banjo plunk. I guess, and be able to hit a a, a full G chord or whatever. But, so, so Charlie, but yeah. when I make my make my records, I'm in here and I like grab mandolins. I should be like arrested if, like, I mean, I mean, I shouldn't be doing it, but I'll grab anything and I'll create sounds and I learned to do that. I mean, like for our for my first hits came in a garage with an incredible producer and 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 co-writer in Ray Van Hoy, but he we lived in a we lived in a basement. He had a band house. His wife. His wife's band was from Tasmania. She was from Tasmania, Australia. They'd show up at midnight, walking down like it was like, uh, okay, here they come. You know, <laughs> I've got kids. Yeah. I'm on the third kid on the way, and I'm going like, man, I can't stay up. But uh, but yeah. but I could stay up because that's when all the magic was happening, and I could feel it. And um, mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I learned there that just just grab anything and just do it. We're talking to Charlie yeah. Worsham. Uh, a Mississippi treasure, man. He's a great dude, and uh, he's tearing it up uh, in Music City on his terms. And it seems like he's being a nice guy about it. You're in the Mississippi Minute. We're going to be right back. News Mississippi, on air, online, and now on the brand new News Mississippi app. You can select the breaking news and weather alerts you want. Just look for News MS in the Apple App Store and on Google Play. That's News MS in the Apple App Store and on Google Play. 
In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. We are with Grenada Born. Charlie, Grenada Born, is that right? Or you lived in, you well, grew up in Grenada? I, I grew up in Grenada. It didn't take me long. I was, technically, I was born in Flowood. Oh, I like Flowood. Yeah. First two years of my life, we bounced between Crystal Springs and Grenada. And, yeah. uh, but by the time I was two, I was firmly planted in, in, Grenada. in Grenada County. Huh. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, uh, I've spent many days in, in, in all three of those places. So uh, it's a good thing. And uh, we're talking to Charlie Worsham. Recording artist, producer, singer, songwriter. He is in Nashville. Hopefully, uh, uh, still just uh, enamored and and excited about about what's happening. And I know he is. Let's talk. Let's go back a little bit. We're going to start talking about your records and and you, uh, Taylor Swift taking you out and and all that stuff. So let's talk about your first album. I want you to try to try to look back in that rearview mirror a little bit, like I always say. Oh, yeah. And let's talk about the feeling of knowing you got your deal. Um, and then I want to go back and dig into your college at Berkeley and all that stuff, right? Yeah. But but right absolutely. now I want to talk about that first album, that first feeling. Who were you working with when you got the call to go out with Taylor? Take me through it all. Well, it all it did. It started with uh, Arturo Buenahora Jr. and he's a, a great publisher and a, and a dear friend. And I had been in a in a band, uh, and I was getting ready for the toughest breakup of my life. It was harder than any romantic breakup, breaking up with his band. Um, and right as I had done that, I played a show of my own. I met Arturo. Arturo had been instrumental in uh, the early, early days for Taylor Swift. He had uh, been right. the first to sign her to a publishing deal and get a team built around her. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was writing for him. And uh, Taylor was getting ready to go on tour, and little did I know, she was making a point to fill the opening slots on her tour uh, with people who needed a leg up. And uh, boy, did I need a leg up. I I didn't have a record deal or anything like that. I had a handful of songs. And I got a call. I was with my dad, actually. They were visiting Nashville, and we were in Home Depot getting something. And I got a call from my manager saying, do you want to open for Taylor Swift, which is kind of a... A dumb que- I don't believe in dumb questions, but that is kind right. of a dumb question because there's only one answer to that. There is only. And so next thing I know, I'm on the road with her, and I got to play 10 amazing shows. Uh, and we, I closed out my segment of the tour at Dallas uh, Cowboys Stadium, 50,000 people. Yeah. And it wasn't long after that that uh, the cause of her goodwill, uh, the record labels started to notice and pay attention to me. And I had that chance to, to perform for, for the labels in town, and Espo and Warner uh, were, were genuinely interested in working together, and I've been with them since. Never looked back. Our boy Borchetta, didn't were they him and Harnon and all those guys? They weren't. Uh, these are inside inside things for the. You for know, I listeners. met with. <laughs> yeah, I met with them all. I met with them all, and, and, and but you read about it. You know, it's so funny too because I've spent my life studying the careers of my heroes and you hear the stories about the Beatles getting turned down 17 times. And looking back now, you think how in the world could anyone, uh, ignore the Beatles? But, but in, in the time, you know, sometimes when something that sounds a certain way is making all the money and, and, you know, connecting with people's hearts, uh, something comes along that sounds different. That's, that's a wild guess. It's anybody's guess, you know, as to whether or not that, 
that's going to work. It's an unproven thing. And, and I was, I was lucky that there was enough interest from Warner and, and, and there was, I think one other label that was interested, but I played for them all. And I think that I got pretty much a, a, a polite, but hard pass from most everybody else. <laughs> Which is what you're, but, 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 but you would have been in a strange circle from any really stars that I know that wouldn't be mm-hmm. able to say the same thing. It's just no way. I mean, there's no way. I mean, like, uh, I mean, some of the biggest artists ever, like you said, the Beatles. I mean, they were all turned down so many times. And a lot of the people I know, mm-hmm. and me, I was turned down by this, the label that signed me. When Universal signed me, they had turned me, basically turned me down 10 times. I was on time 11. I was so stupid to keep mm-hmm. coming back. You're hard-headed. It's a Mississippi thing. Right. We just keep coming. Like, yeah, you hit me You hit we me. We can't help it. No, we can't help it. It's just part of the deal. Talking to Charlie Worsham. Uh, Charlie, so you, you spend all that time. Obviously, it gave you some momentum, right? It gave you some uh, right. clout. And uh, are you so during this period, tell me that when you're out on the road, you're writing, you're getting ready because you know it's coming uh, and you're not sitting still, right? I'm not sitting still. I, I, I don't do that very well. Uh, always writing. And what we would do is uh, uh, my publisher, that, that guy Arturo, uh, and, and it's a testament to publishers, you know, back, back years and years and years ago, decades ago, it was maybe more on the label's shoulders to develop. And, and I'm, I'm, I know that talking to you and telling you this, I'm, I'm preaching through the choir here, but uh, the labels would take that investment of developing something, even though they know it's not ready yet. They do demo recordings and just go through that whole process a number of times because it's, it's rare that you strike lightning on the first swing, you know. Uh, but Arturo, as a publisher, was getting me in the studio to cut demos every time I had four or five songs that we really loved. Love it. And it turned out that doing those demos, we ended up with about half of our first record. And because we were going in, not thinking this is necessarily going to be a record. It was just me and my buddy Ryan Tyndall kind of co-piloting the production right. duties. And Warner liked what they heard, and they bought those recordings to turn them into masters. And that was the point at which I was then pretty much touring, um, continuing to write, and then all of a sudden this thing that I had done with my buddies and you know my sort of music business father figure, Ar- Arturo, became this it was like going from from a county road to a 10 lane highway because all of a sudden you've got the the machinery of, of a big label uh also throwing their uh opinions into the mix and and and, and they have valid opinions and and um you got to take those into consideration right. but the back half of that first record was post record deal signing yeah, and uh, and it took on a little bit of a different different. There's a different energy, uh, right? Job. There's a whole different, different energy. energy because before you're you know right, but there's an honesty. I want to go back for a second before you go post pre your first five. There's an there's an honesty about it that uh, nothing can get in the way because except for yourselves, and and mm-hmm. that's a beautiful thing. So many so many times. So I was there. I get it, and uh, and some of the stuff that I even recorded, Charlie, I was like. Uh, I mean, I can't play this for Keith Stegall or some of these guys because I'm up there with a 1680 and a little box, a little, a little cheap box and a cheap microphone. And a, and all of a sudden, that was that was the stuff that got it done. And I look back mm-hmm. and, and I get why. Because mm-hmm. it was honest. That's the only way you can explain it. I mean, it was when preparation and all the failures all of a sudden come together at that right moment. 
and uh-huh. honesty slaps it in the face, and boom. So your first five, they were so honest, it was crazy, and it was an almost a naivete that 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 is is a magic, man. So I love that because now you got to switch gears. There's a different energy, like you said, a different vibe. Take me to the to the rest of the record. Yeah, I mean, definitely the bullseye never, the the, the target we were aiming for never moved. Um, the machinery just got a little more complicated, and it's and I, again, I told you, I just struck out at t-ball, so it's funny for me to use a baseball analogy. But I was swinging the same baseball bat; they were throwing the same baseball at me. The thing that had changed was instead of playing in the backyard, I was playing in front of. Uh, I, I was in that baseball stadium. Right, and it's funny, <laughs> and 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 everybody in the stadium had the same goal in mind that we all had when we were still there playing in the backyard um honesty capturing that magic moment getting the right song um and the same as it is when you see high pressure you know athletes under high pressure that's the one thing it's it's funny how even with all the more complicated stuff around it the the thing that tends to get in the way more than anything else is the person themselves and and it's pressure you right. know oh, so yeah. I, no, I think no. that no. That became the the challenge on the back half of the first record was not, you know, taking in the new voices and the new opinions, but um, not letting it get into my head too much. Right. And, you know what they did. they don't play they don't play uh, t ball in major in, in big stadiums. They play baseball. So you just need to get past. It. It's harder to hit a t ball to me than it is. Uh, an 80 mile an hour curveball, just FYI. So that's what you got to the mm. point where, in your own way, you were hitting that. You got to hit, you got to step up to the plate on your own terms. And I love that we're talking to Charlie Worsham. You're in the Mississippi Minute. We're going to be right back. Hey folks, in the market for new pillows, I'd like to tell you about who I believe strongly is the best pillow manufacturer made right here in the USA, my friends at Beds by Design and their amazing Omni Pillow. The Omni Pillow is made with a copper infused fabric and they use high quality fabric. The copper has been known to be antifungal, antibacterial, and good for the skin. The Omni Flow is the foam in the inside designed by their veteran team the OmniFlow is a one-of-a-kind product that is unlike any other material. It is a patent material that adjusts as the weight is applied. They combine that with responsive temperature control that regulates your body temperature as you sleep. OmniPillow has a 100-day return policy. And listen to this. They'll donate a pillow to someone in need every time you purchase one. Their goal? To give away 1 million pillows. It also comes with a stress cube that sells for 10 bucks. Give yourself a much-deserved life's rest. Go to OmniPillow.com. That's OmniPillow.com. Enter promo code Steve Azar and receive 20% off with free shipping. You won't regret it. Thanks, guys. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Steve Azar. You're on the flip side, downside. We're rolling downhill of all 60 Mississippi minutes because that's how we roll. It's uh, 
there's a, some math that I don't even know how to explain and I figured out finally how to use uh, my song in a Mississippi Minute and uh, it's here it is in the show and now I've got future generation of Mississippi uh, spreading the gospel of everything that we're about uh, in his own way which is what happens when you're born and raised in Mississippi and you're influenced by all these sides of music uh, that influenced the world and here we are just stuck on that soul and we're just rooted in it and guess what happens greatness and so Charlie uh, I'm really proud of you, first of all. I've heard so many Thanks. great things about you from so many great people. And that's what defines uh, a reputation. Uh, everybody says you work hard. Everybody says, I mean, like, and everybody says you're a great guy. Like, I mean, you, that's right. what I love hearing about you. And Thank uh, you. and that's, 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 you got, I'm giving your mom and dad a lot of credit because. Uh, yes, you are. They, it's thanks to them. Well, yeah, we always thanks. Yeah, sure. without my parents, I'd be just totally crooked. I mean, sideways, it'd be yeah. horrible. <laughs> it'd be so bad. <laughs> but and they, you know, and and I love it because it sounds like your mom and dad were rocking the role. So was mine. My mom was the tough one. My dad was the one um, that would sort of you know ease into things and just be a little softer. And mom would just go, "What are you talking about? Suck it up," you know. And 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 I loved it because they were the yin and the yang, and I needed both emotionally mm-hmm. uh, to become a writer, you know. So, Charlie, let's go to Berkeley. I, I, my drummer uh, yeah. for 20, 15, 18, 20 years went to Berkeley. He's fantastic. And um, and t- tell me about that and, and what made you decide to do that. Obviously, the musicianship. And uh, just before I start guessing, uh, take me back. You open the letter, you get accepted to Berkeley. Why? Gosh, I had fallen in love with Berkeley the summer before. Uh, going back to my mom, who was always looking ahead, uh, she found that Berkeley did summer programs and somehow between my junior and senior year of high school, she got me into one of the summer programs. And what happened, uh, I made it all the way to Boston, uh, you know, middle of the city, dropped off right there at the school, go through the doors, and all of a sudden I'm in this place that is full of kids just like me, but from all over the world. And we start asking each other, well, where are you from? And it was one of these cool things that has happened since, but at that point it had never happened. Uh, I tell them, well, I'm from Mississippi, and their jaw drops. Because, you know, we may not feel it day in and out when we're home, uh, but around the world, as you know, we're, we're a renowned place. I mean, people make pilgrimages to, to the landmarks in Mississippi where, where American music was born. And I, all of a sudden was in this place far from home and just beaming with pride yeah. for where I came from because people were just in awe just from hearing where I was from. And I was hooked right then and there. So I spent my last year of high school doing everything I could to prepare for Berkeley, and I was fortunate to make it. And sure enough, when I went back uh, to study uh, actual college courses and everything, I I made some of the best friends of my life. And and a third of Berkeley students moved to Nashville. They either moved to New York, L.A., or Nashville, and all my buddies were moving to Nashville. So what, what really came out of Berkeley, best of all, was that when I moved, to Music City, I wasn't moving there alone. I, I love had friends that. that were slugging it out with me. We're talking to Charlie Worsham, by the way, if you guys are just tuning in, and you can obviously go back and listen to podcast available on Stitcher, uh, 
Google Play and iTunes, and also on demand on Super Talk anytime you want after this airs. So Charlie Worsham, a, a Mississippi treasure, we stole him from just basically the hills of Mississippi. He almost can claim the yeah. Delta. You're right there on the edge. 20 and, miles, man. Yeah, so close. Yeah, yeah, it's close enough. And uh, Charlie, I want to talk about, I want to talk about, uh, well, first of all, I want to tell you, you got a lot of fans at the Delta Music Institute, and now the Delta Mus- Music Institute, we got, there's 130, 40 kids in the curriculum. They're coming from all over. They're different ethnicities. They're, mm-hmm. I'm seeing this incredible growth that Trisha Walker and her team has done. And I get to be the artist in resident. I go in once a month and just disrupt everything that's education, basically education. Yeah. And But she's so great. You know, she's one of a Grammy winning songwriter and she gets it and the whole team does. But it's really becoming something spectacular. And if I'd have had that, Rather than worrying about how many points I could score in that gym, because now it's studios, you know. If I had that mm. curriculum, it would have been 10 years advanced. Trisha and I always talk about it. And so we're seeing our own Delta version of Berkeley grow and grow. And it's exciting, man. And, and it's just popping now. Starting to bust at the seams, yeah. actually. And to know that it's right there on our doorstep uh, is just it's it's revelatory yeah so uh i am a fan and i'm cheering on the dmi i'm a fighting okra at heart my dad actually ended up graduating from from delta state yeah uh, his okra. first attempt was at mississippi state but now he he had to go back and uh clean up his act a little i'm a bit. devout okra a i gotta bit. tell you i am a devout okra yeah and your dad is as well so uh there's something cool about that little piece of uh a vegetable. There's something with his boxing gloves on. I don't know. We're talking to Charlie Worsham. Charlie, you know, the the other thing, too, is with quantity can come quality. And that's what happens. You get more kids in there, you, you got a better shot of, of finding that. And then they find each other and and uh, and and they're making music. I'm telling you, it's a, it's a really cool thing. Our foundation supports it. And, and we believe, uh, and I just love it because uh, it's happening and, and it's right here at Delta State. I want to talk to you about the streaming world because – I mean, it's more your generation than than it was mm-hmm. mine. So let's talk about, you know, as a singer-songwriter and as a guy that, that was raised uh, – with with a lot of how it's done now with my kids, you know, uh, you're not mm-hmm. not as young as my oldest, but you're 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 close. So take tell me, uh, you know, how you see it as being an artist and mm-hmm. and being a music lover and want to stream and one whatever yeah. and a subscriber versus paying. And now they, this is what you do for it, really do for a living. Right. So my first tangible music was a Walkman cassette player and cassettes. I had a handful of cassettes. Marty Stewart, This One's Gonna Hurt You, was top of my list. And I would put the little foam headphones on. I'd go play out in the backyard in the woods and just pick up a stick and pretend I was playing guitar for Marty, you know. And there was a power to the physical and the the, the physical limitations of it, the the fact that if you wanted to hear that song again, you had to hit rewind and wait for that little gap in the rewind noise to know that you'd gotten back to the start of the song. <laughs> and you had to wait for it. And and you couldn't have an unlimited number of cassettes. You know, if I wanted to get a new record or something, it was, oh, man, does Marty have a new record? It was it was who I was already bought in with right? Um, that I would pick. Uh and I am a fan of that. And today, as an artist, where I find that is with vinyl. All my favorite records, if I can, I want to get it on vinyl. Yeah. Because it's the ultimate tangible music experience. It's the ultimate ownership experience. And um, so I am a fan of that, and I believe in that, even though I know we're living in a streaming world. I do think 
my, my dream scenario would be that we put vinyl records out and we make them available to stream. And if you need the on-the-go, like I'm building a playlist for driving into work in the morning, that you stream that music. But you're uh, actually, to borrow from a Taylor Swift quote, and if you're the arrow-through-the-heart artist for somebody, then when you put a record out, they're going to invest that $30 and get, you know, the big old beautiful 12-inch vinyl, right. the, the literal artwork for the cover. Because I love liner notes, too. I got that from my dad, him being a musician. Liner notes were as important as listening to the record because it was important to know who played on this. Right. Uh, you, you, you'd find one record and you'd hear the guitar solo and go, man, I love that. And you'd read a name like Brent Mason or somebody. Then you'd pick up an entirely different record and it'd be that same name. Let's talk about songwriters because you and I both right. know a lot of them and they make their living out of it. And I've seen a lot of great ones just that if you're talking about BMI songwriter of the year, I'm not talking about just, I'm talking about stacks of number ones. I've seen them right. quit. I've seen them just go, I've had mm-hmm. enough. And that's tough. Yeah, it is. And it's a tough, I think that for creative spirits, for people who have signed up to make their living as a creator, as a creative person, especially as songwriters, uh, we are kind of in the same boat that I would say alcohol makers were in during Prohibition. It ain't like people have stopped drinking. It ain't like people stopped listening to music. Uh, how you get it has fundamentally changed. And right. how you can make a living wage through that, doing that, has fundamentally changed. And it is probably as challenging or more challenging than it's ever been. And I do, I, I, and maybe I'm naive, but I, I do have faith and hope that it's going to get sorted out. Well, I think that like with Prohibition, it, it will find a balance down the road, but, but how do we bridge the gap? Well, the bridge and the gap is the casualties know. because the ones that, what right. happens is as you get older, you acquire stuff and, mm-hmm. and kids and, uh, you know, tuitions and you, uh, weddings. And I mean, I mean, you're stuck in that you're stuck there already. And when you do, mm-hmm. and then sometimes you have divorces and more divorces, which I had plenty of friends that, that haven't yeah. had the, the, the majesty that I've gotten because I, I've been lucky enough to, uh, I'm riding off the sunset with my one. So it's, it's, uh, it's mm-hmm. all good. But, but, but I think they're the ones stuck. We're talking to Charlie Worsham. We're figuring out the music business and all those elements and all, all yeah. of this glory at the same time. Charlie, you know, you know, we are the birthplace of American music and you're continuing on that tradition. And I love that. Your dad continued that and he spread it and just injected it into your soul. So you get to play DJ. You want to hear a little Albert King or a little R.L. Burnside into the break? R.L. Burnside. Come on, man. I'm from Hill Country. That's Come my on. kind of stuff. That's what we got. We got Charlie Worsham, uh, Mississippi's uh, really newest, finest thing. I'm telling you. And we're going to be right back here in the Mississippi Morning. It never was my fault. I'm a nothing man. I never wanted to be a criminal. I'm a nothing man. One, two, three. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I sleep better with crickets singing, windows open and doors ain't even locked. Southern by the grace of God, 
talking to Charlie Worsham. All right, Charlie, let's talk about some records. Let's talk about your new latest project you're working on right now. Gosh, well, I put a record out last year, and right. I'm already working. You know, the, the day that record comes out, you're ready to start working on the next one because you, you just never know when you're going to need to be ready. And uh, so this whole year, I'm writing. And that's kind of my number one project in terms of, of music, uh, writing as many songs as I can, shaping a vision for the next record. Uh, I'm not even going to worry about recording it until the new year comes around. Uh, like you said, sometimes quantity begets the quality, and I just believe the more songs I write, that the better songs I'll, I'll have. And it's been a really fun season for me to focus a little less on touring and a little less on the, the, the craziness that happens when you're in the machinery of it all and, and get back to the core creativity, feeding that creative spirit, searching my heart for what I want to say. Uh, I've, I've been fortunate to put two records out and, and they haven't necessarily taken off and, and been huge breakthrough hit records, but they've been what's on my heart, you know, and I'm, I'm fortunate to get yet another chance to, to write and speak to what's in my heart and, and try to find a way to say that uh, in a way that will connect with uh, lots of other people. Because we really deal in the language of emotion, you know, playing music. It's, whether it's a blues guitar or it's a Paul Simon lyric of some kind, I mean, you're, you're, you're connecting emotions uh, through, through your creativity. And, and so I'm, I feel grateful right now to get to do a lot of that day in and out. Well, as the longer, here's the beauty, as the longer that you, this is daddy, this is your, your uncle talking to you now, Uncle Steve. Yeah, uncle man. Steve. <laughs> as, you, as, you, as you grow a little older, um, you just experience these things that you just can't do mm-hmm. 10 years before or 10 years before that or even a year before that. You can't. And, and, and life gets bigger and it gets thicker and it gets deeper and it gets heavier. And when you're in, in the middle of all that, man, you it just, you got more to talk about and so as long as you're honest, it's all going to keep adding up and the mountain's going to explode. The things, baby, the volcano's going to pop and lava's going to flow and then you're going to have, everybody's going to be running for daylight because that's where, that's what's going to happen. And it will happen huge. Oh. And, uh, but, but the, your, your route, I love the route it's taking. Now, obviously you'd want everything just to pop, 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 but you know, I think it def- helps define you and it keeps you humble. And, and uh, I think you're on the exact I think you got to look at yourself like you're a jet plane. You're taking off and you're on the rise. You know what I'm saying? And then no, you, absolutely. And your guys I, that's with you, you've got the right people because they love music and they love you. And I know that. So we're talking to Charlie Worsham. He's he is filled with love right now. There's love all around him. I'm Steve Azar. Yeah, here man. In Mississippi Minute. Charlie, let's talk about our Christmas songs right now. Uh, you you brought yeah. something up in an, in a text in an email and I cracked up. Uh, I know I've yeah. got Catfish Christmas, and you've got what? Yes, Air Conditioned Christmas. Air Conditioned <laughs> Christmas. I love that. Yes, sir. I love oh, it. Oh, man, and you and you know it, man, from, from in our stomping ground. You get some warm Christmas <laughs> Eve and Christmas days. It's just part of it. <laughs> we're going to we're gonna have to listen to that because that's out there, right? It's, you know what? It isn't, and I need to get a recording of it. I've, I've played it at a handful of shows uh, the past couple of years, but all I've got is a little work tape. Uh, but it's something about uh, say out of all of my Decembers, I don't think that I remember one this hot. You could cook your Christmas ham out on the pavement of the Walmart parking lot, <laughs> you know, just all that kind of yeah, thing, man. We're sweating it. through our ugly sweaters, trading in our eggnog for ice cold <laughs> beer. 
Looks like it's going to be another air-conditioned Christmas this year. <laughs> <laughs> love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. That's, what, that's painting a picture there, babe. What do we call it? Furniture when Nashville put some furniture mm-hmm. in that song that people can grab a hold of and sit on, and then they'll relate. Yeah. I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time, Charlie. I know that we uh, that that we haven't physically met, or we have been in the same room, and we have probably met, but but we haven't spent time enough to know. And now now you and That's I know right. each other like brothers, and so or maybe Uncle Steve, whichever way. The bottom line hey, is, hey man, I love it. We're gonna get together and write sometime, and and uh, and Let's I'm and I'm pulling for you all the way, and uh, I can't wait to hang with you and uh, kick back on the couch and and uh, become better friends. And I appreciate you spending. Uh, an entire Mississippi minute, which you deserve more than anybody with me. Uh, it's fitting. Shoot. I, I really appreciate it. And Steve, I want to thank you too, just for all that you do. And you, you briefly talked about it with uh, talking about the BMI, but that, that you're investing so heavily in Mississippi's future. Uh, I just believe in that with all my heart. And it means the world to me that you're, picking up that banner and waving it and, and leading the charge. So oh, thank you, thank buddy. Thank you for that. Well, listen, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to do something to tell you right now. We're going to bring you in next year our Mighty Mississippi Music Festival. We got we got Ashley McBride coming this year and Lucinda Williams and me and my guys are going to play and then uh, and we got the the Dirty Governors and we've got James McMurtry and then we got a cool little group Ooh. and then there's a whole blues stage and and there's one that starts at midnight in the woods. It's wild, but it's on the river. Wow. We're in our sixth year, so year seven. I'm going to make a commitment to bring you bring you in and come jam with us, okay? Ah, well, I, you you got it, man. I can't wait. We'll bring all we'll bring all Grenada, all of Flowood, all of Crystal Springs. That's right. We'll bring them all. Bring them all. We know Charlie Worsham. You've been in a Mississippi Minute. Later. God's sake. All right. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. Feeling down? Here's your prescription for a daily dose of good news and positive vibes. Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Every afternoon, Rebecca highlights all the good things happening right here in the state you call home. Daily exposure to good things with Rebecca Turner may cause smiling, feelings of positivity, happiness, and even laughter. When you experience these symptoms, tell your friends to listen. Okay. Weekdays starting at 2 p.m. here on Super Talk Mississippi and now on Amazon Alexa devices. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.